Hello and welcome to The Loudspeaker, your definitive guide on how to scale your startup. This first tip for every fintech startup is what are the media and press saying about us, how are we being perceived by these people? PR stunts are any activities that allow you to engage with the audience. I don't agree with the fact that our publicity is good publicity. Here is where we talk to communications professionals from all around the world to let you know what are the best practices and cool ideas that you can implement for your startups. How to build a business on social media. Like what are some of the most successful uh, social media tactics that help drive your business to the success that you achieved? Sure. So I'm a big believer in don't hard sell people. The moment people know that they're being sold to, they put a guard up and they will be very resistant. And so for me, it was always kind of a reverse engineered model where I never, I didn't start with a product or a service. I started with information and providing value to people. And because I started with that, I created content uh, all about different tips, tricks, things to do. People started following me because of that. And people started trusting my opinion and valuing my opinion because I was providing them with information all the time. And from there, I noticed that they started booking all the different experiences that I was mentioning. And I thought, you know, I should just make my own experiences because clearly uh, people are interested in, in hearing these tips and tricks. And so if I can incorporate that um, into a business model, I will. And so that's what I did. After I had a bunch of content online on YouTube um, and Instagram, YouTube for me was really the game changer because when it comes to travel, a YouTube video or any video is much more, it's much better than a photo because you see the whole experience. So plugging in my tours throughout different videos uh, in an organic manner that doesn't feel like a sales pitch uh, was tremendous. Um, I mean, I don't know what most tour companies experience because I've never worked for a tour company before, but I don't think most tour companies go from not having a tour company to eight months later having a sold out, sold out tours. Um, from this tactic. And that's why I really believe this tactic works. It's create content around your brand and then customers will come. Because if you can provide your customers with value and information that helps them for free, they're much more willing to trust you and actually consider buying a product or a service from you. And so that to me was the essential element of how social media can drive business. Yeah, and I, I completely agree. And I also have to say as well, like I get the feeling that you're very passionate about this. Like this is something that you really enjoy. And I think that people can see that just like you said that people can see through whether or not they're being like sold to. Uh, people can also yeah. see really quite clearly whether or not the person is actually enjoying what they're doing and really has a passion for it. Are you from New York yourself? 
I'm from upstate New York. So I'm from New York State, but mm -hmm. I grew up in a town three hours from New York City called Saratoga Springs. And then I moved to New York City when I was 18. So I've been here for uh, 13 years. <laughs> so I consider myself a New Yorker. My rule, people always say, oh, are you a New Yorker? Well, like, what makes a New Yorker? What makes a New Yorker to me is two things. Number one, you have to live here for 10 years. Number two, you have to cry in public, which I know sounds crazy, but you normally knock out number two pretty quickly because New York can be harsh. New York is a city full of the most competitive people on earth. Uh, and you feel it but that's yeah. also what makes new york great because people are always trying to improve this city and make it into the best it can be and that's why i know that even though COVID has impacted new york and many other cities and places around the world um, new york will come back after this how to effectively plan and react to a pr crisis before i ever got into pr the only thing i knew about pr and the only time I ever thought about it is when a crisis happens. So that is always something that's on my mind whenever I think PR. That's my first association with it, like a company or a business scrambling to regain their image. And now that I work in PR, I understand like holistically a lot more about like the what it contains. But initially, yeah, that was my first kind of like introduction or first like thought of it. And you're on the show today to, to discuss crisis communication planning. Would you be able to start by giving some examples of the most devastating crises, crises that a business can face? Yeah, there are so many. Uh, there's so many. There's two types of crises, by the way. There's an oppositional crisis where you you have done something wrong um, as a company. Let's say uh, BP oil disaster, the Deep Horizon in the Gulf of Mexico. That's an oppositional crisis because people are PO'd at you as a company because you did some through your negligence or for wrongdoing. You did something wrong. Then you have a non-oppositional crisis, like in 1982 with the Johnson & Johnson cyanide lace Tylenol capsules, which is a classic, like if you're a PR person, that's like the one you learn about in school, about how to handle it well, you know, where somebody um, uh, lays cyanide capsules uh, or lays cyanide into Tylenol, which are headache capsules. If you're if you're an international person, it's, a, you know, headache tablets. But um, they, they did that in Poison Kill, I think, seven or eight people. And the thing was that the company, though, did such a great job responding to it um, that it became the gold standard of how to respond to a crisis. But so you, that would be a non-oppositional crisis. And the reason why is because the company's going, gosh, this isn't our fault. This is a this is an act of terror. This is somebody using our product to hurt people. And that, therefore, and they handled it in such a way where the public was not in opposition to them. So they were a non-oppositional crisis, oppositional crisis. So those are the two types. But there are, there, I mean, right now, there are so many that, that things that people don't think about. And I'll just give you just, I'll just tick off some just like bullet points here of type crises I've dealt with. How about I just talk about the ones I've dealt with in the past couple of years? How about yeah, that? yeah, go for it. Yeah, I don't give out names, obviously, of companies I work with. I sign a non-disclosure agreement with most of them. And also, I think a lot of them, even if they're doing the right thing, just don't really need it out there that they hired a crisis person. So I just want to be clear about that. But let's just say that I have dealt with a company that was in a, and I mean, multi-million dollar, um, they were in a middle of a big merger. And I'm talking about not 5 million, 10 million, like a hundred million dollar merger. And long story short, the person or the organization they were trying to merge with had some legal issues they didn't disclose and it blew up. And then it became, they were suing each other. 
I ended up getting deposed in this thing, which was awful because I had initially worked to help the merger go through as the PR person and kind of hold hands and get everybody through that. And then when that blew up later, I was trying to take the side of my employer and it, it just got really awful. So you've got situations like that. I've had situations where young people, perhaps in college, who are on their way to perhaps the National Basketball Association when they graduate, as long as they can stay on the straight and narrow, have done some questionable things and we needed to address that. I just recently, um, in our bad situation we're in right now with the national, the international pan when I say international pandemic, global pandemic, that's redundant. A pandemic is by very meaning global. But anyway, mm -hmm. sorry about that. I'm, I'm a stickler okay. for language. Usually I'm a stickler for language. But then there's situations where I've run into several times. The United States is uh, also, besides COVID, awash in some very serious um, uh, civil unrest, racial strife, those kinds of things. I have had three calls and worked with at least two of the three on people getting on social media and saying, at best, racially insensitive things that people caught, people screenshot and backlash against them. We're going to ruin your business type things. And I've had to help people get through those things. You know, so those are some situations right there. Uh, other crises are really simple things like uh, employees, you know, like again with social media, which is the new, you know, vector for mm. for crisis to occur um, you have employees who say stupid stuff about the company you know and there's a couple of examples i can give you of you know classically good and, uh, and bad uh reactions to that but but i i've dealt with that kind of stuff a lot sam it's uh it's amazing um the types of human behavior and then it's also amazing that particularly with social media the people who want a pound of flesh out of everybody for every mistake so there's it's a rich field for us sam i don't mean that in a funny yeah. way but it's a very rich field of, of opportunities for pr people who know what they're doing to not only try to fix situations in an what i call an active crisis but to go in like we like to do and help them plan ahead and mitigate the damage why local pr can be better than top tier publications not all pr is the same and that's quite evident when it depends on what you are trying to achieve. And I think many clients which enter publicize and come on to use our services often have in their mind, I want to be on TechCrunch, I want to be on Forbes, I want to be on the major publications. But a lot of the time it can be vertical publications or niche publications that appeal to a very specific audience. That is the audience that you want to get in front of. And clearly you found the value in that by going after these like specific local kind of news stations. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and it goes on both sides. If you, if you have a localized business like ours, a local localized marketplace, you have to build every city and town from the ground up and PR mm. maps to that. But, uh, but we're also a multi-sided marketplace. We have consumers that we need to attract to the platform and we use PR for that. But on the other side of the, of the transaction are, small business owners that are in the landscaping industry and we use pr for that as well we we reach out to the trade magazines we reach out to the the industry uh, affiliations and we we pitch them on articles or or books that we're writing or things like that that we can do to add value to that audience so our brand is is front and center when when those readers are 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 on those publications and doing that has enabled us to basically not even worry about uh, the supply side acquisition for our platform because we're already a household name in the industry. If you if you are starting a lawn mowing business or you make your livelihood running a landscaping company, you know about GreenPal, and that's because of the PR we've done on that side of the transaction. Mm -hmm. And what advice in general would you have for a company like yourself if they've started off and they want to go down the route of 
I suppose, ticking off all bases, kind of like you've done with the big publications like Forbes and Wall Street Journal and Time, and then maybe the more local ones? Yeah, so have somebody own it. Uh, like I was telling you, my, my co-founder owns local PR. In fact, uh, we were told we were doing our, our annual kind of wrap up uh, early this year and we were looking at what we did and we, we were able to double from 10 to 20 million dollars in revenue. And my co-founder sighed and he said, you know, all the flight delays, all the shitty airport meals, all the Holiday Inn Express stays, all the <laughs> rent of cars, all it was worth it. Yeah, he said it was worth it all. And, and a lot of times, too, he'll he'll drive to Shreveport, Shreveport, Louisiana, an eight hour drive. And then the last minute, the, the friggin' journalist will cancel on him. <laughs> that happens. And, you know, we were he was able to look back and say it was all worth it. So he owns it. He lives, eats, breathes yeah. PR for this for this business. And so that's a big piece of it. It can't be an afterthought uh for whether it be a business a part of the business ownership or or whoever on your team is going to own it somebody has to own it but the other pieces like like the high level stuff like wall street journal forbes inc time like all of those hits i got uh, me mm -hmm. as a ceo i'm reaching out to these journalists i'm on hayro three times a day my, my day my day is 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 organized around hayro mm -hmm. and and uh i pitch probably four or five uh things a day you know whether it be Somebody at uh, business.com that's looking for uh, somebody who who is who has started a business and can recommend the best legal structure if you don't want to raise money. I mm -hmm. can pitch a story about how we figured that out and what we did. You know, there's a million of those things that I've done as, as a business owner of two different businesses that I can add value. And that's how that's one of the main ways I've gotten us in the big the big name publications without having uh, a million dollar a year PR budget. Setting realistic PR expectations. When you first approach a client, you take them on. What are the misconceptions they have about getting PR results? Uh, well, you you mentioned a couple, right? As you were as you were speaking just now, you mentioned like immediate results and guaranteed results, like a monthly basis, right? On top of that, there's also I would say clients coming to us and saying that they want like to be featured on top tier publications from the very very start, like for example TechCrunch or uh, VentureBeat, right? That's a very very common one. I always hear that. It's TechCrunch. That's where everyone wants to be. And uh, another expectation is also really, really overwhelming journalist interest right from the start. Like right as we start mentioning the name of the company, clients think like, okay, we're going to have a swarm of journalists coming after us to try and get our input on, you know, their, on the industry that we're targeting. They're understandable. Like the expectations are understandable, but yeah, as you mentioned, like they're misinformed. And for us as a PR company, like the idea is to set the tone from the very beginning as to what we can achieve and how to manage those expectations. Because in part, it's, it's about uh, managing the expectations at the beginning, but at the same time, we're also managing expectations the entire time that there's a collaboration, right? So for example, like a, a client might ask me like, is it normal to receive very few responses at the beginning of a collaboration when we start pitching them to journalists? And it's that, the answer to that is a firm yes. Because a journalist or an editor might be hearing about your company for the first time and we're trying to build the relationships between the company and the journalist or the editors um, so that there can be more interest in that company and within their, their industry, right? But there are also other expectations that 
are completely within like the rights of the client. Like for example, you should expect the PR company to follow through with what we call deliverables. Uh, and we can dive into that later on. The clients should definitely expect consistent communication and expert guidance, of course, on the strategies that guide them towards you know, achieving their business goals.